The unofficial Shopify podcast is supported by e-commerce bootcamp, a new strategy guide from the hosts of this very show. In it, you'll learn the insider secrets of starting, growing, and marketing a successful Shopify business that supports the life you want. For a free sample chapter and a special offer, visit ecommerce-bootcamp.com today. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Unofficial Shopify Podcast. Our topic today is how you grow a business. And I think that's the hard part, getting from, you know, setting up a store, finding a product, creating a product, doing a Kickstarter, fulfilling it. All that stuff is the things people worry about. Like more people spend, people spend so much time worrying about things like their logo and their brand name, when really the tough part is going to be first getting traffic to a store and then growing it. That's really the hard part. Um, so joining me today is Alex O'Byrne of We Make Websites. Which is interesting because I think like career-wise, we've started, we followed a very similar path. You know, we, we started our businesses at the same time. We chose to niche down exclusively on Shopify at the same time and have similar warm, wonderful feelings about Shopify. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Kurt Elster, Shopify expert, author of e-commerce boot camp and whiskey enthusiast. I've got the, you can't see the video, Alex can. I am enjoying a bourbon at 10 a.m. Um, don't judge me. Uh, Alex, well, uh, thank you for joining us. <laughs> Kurt, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm a big fan of a podcast, and your excuse can be that I'm sharing one with you on your side of the pond. And your, um, what time is it there? It's well, it's not even five yet, but it's uh, coming up to five o'clock. So okay, close enough. Close enough. The sun's gone down. That's the important thing. Um, and yeah, it's a pleasure <laughs> to be here. I've been listening to a lot of your episodes, and uh, like I say, I'm a big fan. So looking forward to chatting with you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's always, I think, uh, actually, you know, it's on the topic of like growing a brand in a business, the podcast, doing, you know, podcasts is fantastic. And you don't have to host your own podcast. Like there's a whole slew of things you have to worry about with doing your own podcast, but reaching out and being a guest on other people's podcasts is tremendously valuable. Like I have guests on this show uh, who will reach out to me you know, months later and say like, oh yeah, I got like, it opened all these doors for me being on your show because it's evergreen content. I will look forward to telling you about that then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I want to hear, you know, six months from now how it worked out. It was funny, I just saw um, like Josh Highland who wrote the SEO book Shopify Empire a year ago. I was just talking to him and he's still getting people who are like, oh yeah, I heard your your episode of the unofficial Shopify podcast and then I bought your book. Oh my God, I better say something clever then. (laughs) <laughs> it uh it's a very personal medium like somebody has you in their ears for 20 minutes right yeah like yeah their, so the car exercise whatever yeah you get to to feel like you know that person don't you like i met someone in real life the other day that i listened to a podcast all the time and it was so weird like hearing him laugh in real life i was like i've been following you around for months it feels like um but yeah you're completely right about the career paths that we both run Shopify agencies and we both started around the same time in the in the web agency world and decided to quit the painful process of trying to host your own store and let Shopify deal with it and I think we're both similar in that we like e-commerce and I guess with e-commerce even the smallest businesses see the value in the website so it's a great and interesting place to be as an agency and you get to see a real impact on people's businesses sure. Oh, for sure. As far as like, sell, yeah, selling a website with e-commerce or selling a project with e-commerce from like, 
you know, as the, you know, from my perspective as, uh, well, I hate the term freelancer, but my perspective as the consultant, it's very easy to do, um, to demonstrate value, right? I, I like that you call yourself a revenue consultant. I think that's really smart because we, we as a, a web agency, usually has to try and explain, oh, you know, by the way, the website makes money, even though you think in 2015 that is really obvious that the website, that everything from design to copy to the tiniest details influence the profitability. But you put it all up front by calling yourself that, which I think is good. You know, and what's like, a lot of people are very resistant to doing that, Um just because that I think it falls in that, like, you know, things you don't talk about parties, money, politics, and religion. <laughs> so they don't want to talk about it in their sales copy. And it's like, well, that's the point of a business. Like, if your business does not exist to make money, get away from me. Because um, I just can't relate to it. So, okay. <laughs> oh, so growing the business then. Yeah, so um, our focus was, you know, the thing that people struggle with. You know, everyone obsesses, well, I talked about it a little bit already, but everyone obsesses about the little details but they don't have a plan for how they're going to grow the business. They, I think a lot of people um, get so wrapped up in their idea, you know, they walk into this with this um, concept of, well, if you build it, they will come, right? Yeah. So I use the analogy of a house party that you can have the best house party in the world, but if you don't tell people what you're planning beforehand, no one's going to come. So you end up being the man sat alone with the cake. Whereas if you're out there... <laughs> You know, hustling in the streets, telling people what you're doing, and you get people coming. And it's the same in e-commerce. You, you've got to try all the different channels and figure out where you get the interest from. And I guess the the reason that this is of interest to me is we see clients every single day. And so uh, we're in the UK, I guess. Well, we have sort of mentioned that, but we do. We're a leading Shopify agency in the UK, and we have worked with tons of big brands like The Economist and Costa Coffee. But we tend to spend a lot of time with smaller businesses and especially startups. And I'm always very keen to make sure that they don't do the whole build it and they will come methodology. And instead that they're seriously out there building a demand for this product. And in my, I also teach at General Assembly actually. And at General Assembly, one of the things I always say at the start is before you even get a website, why don't you go to the market and you can get a stall for about 30 pounds on a Sunday here, like in the street, I mean, and try and sell this thing in the street at least once, you know, and, and get that feedback. But let's assume someone's done that. Or they've validated that the... Well, people are... I love that idea of validation. Um, I read the... If you've read the book Authority by Nathan Berry, his, oh, yeah. you know, step one is, hey, go out and ask people, like, interview your ideal customer. And then at the end, ask them, hey, would you pay for this? And if they say yes, say, okay, well, I've got my Stripe reader. What's your credit card <laughs> number? And if they're will, you know, if they aren't willing to pay, you know, they weren't. They were just humoring you, you know, like, hey, you could pre-order it right now. So I think that's like the the great way to validate a product. Um, but I've very few people do that, you know. Like Kickstarter is the very formal way to do that. Um, yeah. But yeah. you're right. It's such like it's a great way. It's a low pressure, low risk way. You know, where as you said, for thirty pounds, you can go figure out is this a good idea and get feedback from real people. Exactly. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, a lot of people would rather like put in all the effort up front because it's very scary to find out if your, you know, your idea, this baby, um, is going to work or not. So, so I think that's fine. And then I guess the key thing there is if you do, especially in something like fashion, where I can see why you might not want to go into the street and start trying to sell your stylish, like designer wares. But, um, if you are then doing the classic kind of, 
project approach, I suppose, to launching a business where you go and get the website and you line up the PR and all that good stuff, then just make sure that you are investing in the marketing, which sounds like a strange thing to say for me being the web designer, basically saying, hang on, make sure you also spend money on the other stuff. But I don't want to see a website launched to silence. So um, there's many, many, many channels. Um, I guess it would be interesting to talk about the ones that seem to work based on our experience. So sure. big one, yeah, big one we see is uh, people that have got marketing and PR backgrounds can usually do a good job of PR, which is not uh, trivial, but I guess as an outsider and, and ultimately a, a web designer that now, um, but now just as the sales, I've got to learn about PR. And basically it's kind of treating editors, whether that's lunching with them, sending them free stuff, doing events and getting to know them and doing things like when you see an online magazine or a physical magazine that you want to be in, trying to digest everything where you think that article could have been me and preparing an angle about yourself that would suit that journalist. And uh, the people that nail that, we have a client in New York called Negative Underwear, and um, they did that. And on the first day, they had 100 orders, which was pretty good because their average order value, I think, is over $100. So not bad at all for a first day. And yeah, launching to 100 orders on a first day is phenomenal. Yeah, that's really good. And that just comes down to lining up the PR, having a good story. So, so their angle was like corporate women that were quitting their really secure, high-powered jobs and instead doing their own lingerie brand. So it had that... Dramatic, it's a great origin story. Yeah, I, an origin story. That's the term. Yeah. Yeah. The um. Well, you know, my wife does um, uh, accounts receivable, so not quite debt collection, and she has that similar origin story where she was a single mom who quit her job to do this thing, and you know, lo and behold, it's like incredibly easy for her to get PR and people approach her, and she's been on the cover of um, New York Post business section, and it's because you know it's very personal. The brand is called Just Tell Julie, so it's. Um, it has that human factor. It has this origin story, and people relate to that. Um, but everything I'm hearing about you, you know, everything I'm I'm hearing, I love. Um, <laughs> and it really all comes down to being human, being um, and being personable. You know, when mm. when people approach me, they're like, "Well, what about social media? And what about uh, you know, like what about Google Ads? And what about this and that?" Like, no, no, no. The easiest thing is to be a people. <laughs> you know, go out there, be a human. Um, make your brand personable, relatable, um, and do PR outreach. PR outreach that, is so good. It's so true. So I guess the, the one thing that we should have mentioned is defining what your actual USP is. Like, what, what, why would someone use you over someone else, and what is um, so this is uh, a, different? About you? This is another problem. Um, you know, this seems like a very basic thing, but I have seen people like. Well, especially like freelancers that I've coached, I have seen them on the verge of tears at the idea of trying to find that positioning. Like it's mm -hmm. way more difficult than it sounds um, mm -hmm. to figure out your positioning. But I think that's really square one. You need to know that one sentence. This is who we are, what we do, our benefit, for who, and here's our competitive advantage. You know, exactly yeah and then that should be your about page that should be that short bit of copy not one of these long rambling third person things but a, a, like one paragraph that just nails that on the about page and that should be consistent within everything you do so if you think about the classic customer journey from um a, awareness of a need to interest to consideration of the various products and options to purchase to uh, retention and advocacy everything along that Every touch point along that 
process should be embodying what it is that is different about you and right and you see this in the best brands like some of the big shopify brands like someone like black milk you could see in everything they do there's a, a consistency yeah so what you've yeah essentially what you've described is you know a sales funnel and that customer life cycle where you know we don't know where they are um and we could try and segment them but we don't know where they are in that buying cycle initially um and that's where having you know, being aware of it and having that consistent message is so incredibly useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess another place where that can shine is when you're doing, uh, so like you said, social. So I completely agree. When people say, uh, when we say uh, or ask how you can grow the business, they say social. Well, it's kind of like saying paper or TV. <laughs> no, it's like, what yeah, are you Yeah, like you've described a channel, that? like very good. Yeah, yeah. But what um, do you do with it? <laughs> and I, I think the, one of the only ways to do it, I think, is, well, you have a pay, which not everyone wants to do. Uh, same with PR. You know, you can pay an agency a £1,000 a month and just have them, in theory, take care of it. But with social, if you're not paying, which is where it's all going, now all these companies are going public and needing to make money, um, <laughs> you you can use influencer marketing. So getting the people, let's say I'm which selling. Which is really, that's another kind of outreach. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's finding, again, niching down. So let's say I'm doing, I don't know, wedding wedding gifts. Or wedding for uh, wedding uh, decorations. Then I I do my niche thing and I make sure I'm different to everyone else. And then I start approaching the wedding bloggers and the wedding influencers out there and saying, Hey, do you mind you know just covering this? Or can I interview you on my blog? You know, on my uh, and then I share that socially. And everybody in that situation shares their thing. And I mean, I'm sure you find on your podcast when you have guests, they all go and share the thing. That is, is that part of my. Approach? my standard operating procedure. So after the episode is edited, posted, and scheduled, I will then schedule an email. You will get it. It'll go out to you uh, <laughs> 10 minutes after the episode goes live that says, hey, Alex, your episode is live. Click here to tweet it. Here's a link uh, directly to it for you. Um, and here is the embed code to embed it right in your blog. Yep. And by doing that, sense. like, of course, I I don't think, I mean, it's, it's probably like 95% of people will then share it in at least one of those ways. Yeah, absolutely. I'm pre I'm sure everyone does, and that is brilliant. And you essentially you're building a network of people that are into the same thing and making people more aware of you. Um, the it's building a tribe, uh, as Seth Godin would say. Yeah, building a tribe. Yeah, exactly. And um, the the thing I always think about when you when you've succeeded in like one of these channels, I suppose. So I mean, let. Just quickly, so we've got PR, blogging, uh, you know, blogger outreach, SEO, which is a huge topic, which I know you've covered before, search engine marketing, so AdWords, social, uh, whole, like selling uh, wholesale into retailers, having a physical store or a pop-up, having a radio ads, having presence on a forum. There's all these different channels where you can do your thing. Um, I think the key is to capture emails really whatever you're doing so every if you're you, right ever yeah, you know what's really thing. amazing here is um we have never spoken directly before and i'm just nodding along and agreeing with everything you say <laughs> because like it's not the whiskey is it <laughs> well it could be partly the whiskey um i'm not that much of a lightweight um no like by through our own separate independent experiences have essentially come to the same conclusions which yeah. amazes me um yeah. but yeah it's just outreach like for number one you need to know your story know your positioning and once you have that you know then you want to use the most effective channels you come up with are those pr and outreach channels yeah. um which is truly phenomenal 
that we've we've come to those same conclusions. And then the third is that realization that no matter what business you're in, whether you are a freelancer or selling anything, I don't care what it is, if you are online, you are in the email list building business. Yeah, and email is still the highest converting channel. When you see in any studies, okay, social sounds glamorous and, and search is also effective, but it, even, even the uh, quote-unquote millennials that we never hear the end of now, they're still just reading all their emails, the ones that are interesting to them anyway. So that's where, um, and just quickly on the email thing, if you think your conversion rate is, let's say, 2%, then that means 98 out of 100 people are not buying. Right. But you can u- usually get more of those on the email list, let, like, say, 5% of those on the email list, which means yeah. all that hard work in t- that you're doing in getting traffic, you're not losing them through the sieve. You're, you're retaining them, and uh, return on investment on email is absolutely massive. Well, and going back to that, you know, uh, earlier in the conversation, it's that buying cycle. So if someone lands on our website, we don't know if they're just doing research, becoming aware. We don't know where they are and if they have that need yet. But it's such a low ask to get them onto that email list that Mm, then, you know, we could build a relationship with that customer, but more so we can stay top of mind. Yeah, Um, yeah. So so when they're finally ready to buy, you know, you're right there with that email. And they're like, oh, yeah, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, so we I should talk about our, our own email list actually because that's a good example. If you think buying a website for most people is a huge purchase and a, a long term one, and we do exactly that. So one thing about emails is you always give something away. So in e-commerce, you often do ten percent off the next order or uh, free shipping or something. For us, we do um, an e-commerce checklist. So classic lead magnet. Um, people want the checklist if they're interested in e-commerce, and that means they're qualified to us, and then. They go on a list, and then the amazing thing. So our email list now, I think, is twelve thousand people, or no, thirteen thousand. And very good. What it's taken time, but that list is so valuable because we build trust in, with those people, and all we do is send them advice. We don't tell them, "Look how great we are," and look at all these case studies. We just say, "Hey, here's five things that will make your homepage convert better," and, and all that, all that kind of thing. And one of the most amazing things to me was that. Um, People were recommending us to other people based on the fact that they were on our email list. So they'd not worked with us yet, but with, they were spreading the word. So you think yeah, that's 13,000 yeah, people. Yeah, I've gotten that too. That's you'll crazy. Get, you, yeah, where I'll, people will say, oh, yeah, I was referred to you by, and it'll be someone that I've never heard of, never worked with. And then when I go, yeah. look, sure enough, they're on the email list. Yeah, and it's sometimes a, 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 um, a painful thing to go and build that content. It takes time, right? Like producing content, whether it's a podcast or a right. blog post or whatever it is, is a long-term thing, but it really works. And It's, it's planting like... a garden is the, yes. <laughs> the metaphor yeah. we use. Yeah, You're planting a, a garden. Well, and that's, you know, what I did, you know, we were doing everything but email. So we had a, like a blog going for some time. Um, so when I created my email list or my, my email marketing content, essentially I, I put together a library of like, Here's all you know my guest blog articles and my uh, my own blog articles and podcasts I've been on and built a library of content and then I use that to initially populate the email list. But you're right, like the big hurdle to go over is not picking which email software to use, um, you know, or anything like that. It's creating the content, and that's yeah, where I think um, you know what really trips people up is they always want to make these fancy HTML newsletters and then have them also. You know, and every week it's a sale. No, I mean, if you just reach out to people regularly, make them part of your journey, send plain text emails, not only is that easier, it's often more effective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, thinking about the content. So 
I'm always saying, like you mentioned offers, and offers do convert well, but you can't just always send offers, and perhaps sending offers isn't the right thing for your brand either. So I would always look into what is the, what are my audience interested in? Is it gift ideas? Is it like a lifestyle thing where you're stating, like talking about the best uh, new acts, like music, or is it that you're giving advice on how to do things in the home or cooking recipes and stuff. Even if you're not selling that same thing, building that kind of magazine style content can really work well. Magazine style content is a great way to think of it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And you can build a a readership that is into you, like into the same things you are that way. Um, And by not necessarily, you know, that's where it's really helpful to have a lifestyle brand where you know that unique selling uh, proposition where you're building and where you're personally, hopefully passionate about the niche or brand too. Yeah. Um, where it's you, you I get suppose. really involved in just, you know, you get it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why, I mean, that's an advantage that a small business has that a big one might not. So now everybody's going, Oh, content, content, you know, content, everyone's talking about content, but as a smaller brand, you can actually do interesting stuff. Like you, you can, if you're really into heavy metal, you can do a blog about heavy metal, you know, and we see a lot of these streetwear brands. They're able to really just swear, put videos on, uh, follow people around they find that are interesting. And that's the stuff that gets, that, that creates their tribe, I guess. It goes back to the tribe, doesn't it? Whereas the bigger brands, you know, they want to do this sort of content, but almost by definition, they apply to a wider audience. So it's sort of harder to do content that is really, really compelling because you end up being more like a newspaper, I suppose, versus no, like... That's, again, yeah, good yeah. point. If you go back to, um, well, it's it's paradoxical. The smaller that audience is, the much easier it becomes to market to them because you know them so well. In fact, yeah. it's almost easy. It's easiest um, if you can define your, your audience as like a single ideal VIP yeah. Um, yeah. and just write for them and talk to them and then just yeah, talk like to you know, imagining a person like that. And- yeah, and you, you see like a brand like Nasty Girl, like I would, well, I mean, I say it like that because I'm English, but uh, <laughs> the, like they uh, made a whole brand out of appealing to this girl that was a little bit um, neglect, not neglected, but so Sophie Amoruso talks about how all the fashion brands were basically run by old white men that were, you know, not really in touch with uh, uh, like who their audience was. And where she came along, she was the real thing, uh, she'd started her vintage store on eBay and she just knew that lifestyle and she lived it and she was able to produce content. And still, do, the, the company still does produce stuff that appeals to our audience and they do it better than anyone else. I guess um, doing that isn't easy, but if you can figure out what it is that you, you're tapping into, then you can produce content along those lines. Yeah, and, it has, uh, yeah essentially, yeah. you know, uh, you're right. A lot of people unintentionally make life hard for themselves by going very broad and very general. And when Mm. you do that, it becomes so much more difficult to market, to know like this is the right message to the right audience. And I think what it comes down to is relevancy. So the smaller that target market, obviously it becomes very easy to know what a relevant message is. And when you do that, you're just wildly increasing the effectiveness of everything you do. And again, it goes back, like hopefully you are that person, you're in that niche. Yep, absolutely. And well, you, you you probably found it yourself when you switched to just doing Shopify, for example, as an agency, you suddenly became more magnetic to anyone who was wanting Shopify stuff. Within and, uh, six months, people were like, were saying to me, oh, well, I know you're the Shopify guy. And I was like, yeah. I am? When did that happen? And it literally was just <laughs> by being, by, you know, niching down to just one technology platform, that's all it took. Yeah. 
And then all your internal stuff gets easier as well because, you know, right, we only do this one thing. We hire for this one thing. We market based on this one message. Um, and trying to figure that out is, really, like you say, it's a hard thing to, it's a hard thing to turn away business in a way, which, right. which you're sort of doing. That's how it feels. Yeah, it's what it feels like, but you're actually gaining a lot more business. That's the yeah. truth. And I have to like really hammer on people that I'm like, no, no, I swear that this works. You know, until you've experienced it, it it's so it it is very it's paradoxical. You know, but if you step back and think about it, it's really not. Um, you know, it it makes sense. Um, okay, we've got five minutes left. Um, let's try and come up with some action items that people can can take away that people can do. Um, so a lot of it, you know, I think number one is is figure out your positioning, your unique selling proposition. You know, who what you sell, what what pain you solve, you know, yeah. what problem you're fixing. Um, and so I guess I guess from that you get so that's, that's step one. From that you get an audience usually, so you know, okay, I produce um, this type of say lingerie for this type of woman, and I have a very firm idea who she is because maybe I am that person. Well, I am not that person, obviously, but <laughs> um, you know that's a typical thing we see that that especially in fashion, like the 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 founders are the person and they know know who they are. So the the next thing once you define that is you then know who the audience is. And then I guess the, the next point is... And you think, can well, survey, if you have an existing list, you could survey them to try and work out better what that is. Exactly, yeah. So then you can figure out where they hang out, which is not always an easy thing to answer. So And by hang out, how, really we mean like, you know, what where they're consuming media online, like figuring out yeah, their, their, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what their water cooler is. Yeah, if you think about in the 21st century... Um, we we go we go to things that we the old interruption marketing is getting less effective. So all the ads on mass media and TV and even the internet, like ad blockers and all this stuff, is making it so ads are becoming invisible. And if you think when everyone sat around at home watching TV on an evening, they're all on their own devices trying to find stuff they actually want to consume. So answering the question of my audience, like you, exactly like you say, where are they consuming stuff, and then. Not, that's probably the hardest thing to answer, I think. And then you know you need to start putting effort and money into that, into being there. And then, yeah, at that point, then you just start doing outreach. So if someone says, all right, well, I read this this forum. Okay, can you create content that's valued of that forum? Can you sponsor that forum? Um, yep. And if someone says, well, I've been listening to these podcasts. Okay, can you sponsor those podcasts? Can you reach out and get on that podcast? You know, then, you know, once you know who that ideal person is, what their watering holes are, and then it's just a matter of effort of doing that um, PR and outreach to get in front of them in a valuable way. Yeah, okay, so that's a good one. And then getting the email address, next one, and giving and then something for, Yeah, away. from there, once we've got their attention and gotten to their website, hopefully we've got some kind of offer lead magnet to get them on an email list, at which point we could start building a relationship. Exactly, and then hopefully they buy something. And then the next point of our next action is we think, right, how do we make sure they buy something again? Yeah, we want so, to maximize that, that customer lifetime value and at the same time make it a great experience for them. Exactly. And um, that requires a bit of thought. But I think, again, email is a very powerful channel for that. So, you know, MailChimp released their big automation suite. Uh, oh, yeah, this MailChimp month, Pro. Yeah, yeah. And Which I haven't played with because I'm, I'm a huge fan of Klaviyo. Uh, okay, but well, there's many options. So right. whatever whatever it whatever is, tool works for you, just go with it. Go with it because I think you know people. Are t I'm doing a lot of stuff at the minute, like predictions for 2016. I think 
although auto, uh, automated emails are anything new, they're definitely new in, in the power they are now for smaller businesses. Like it's never been yeah, easier previously to... Previously it used to be like, spend $2,500 on Infusionsoft, whereas now it's yeah. like, all right, for 49 bucks, I can get a drip account that's almost, that's 99% as good. Yeah, and that stuff's so effective, isn't it? Because you don't unsubscribe from the stuff like that. It, so for example, I bought some flowers the, the other week for my girlfriend and... They, this company now email me every week, like, need more flowers, need more flowers. And I know eventually I will mess up and need the flowers again. So the, uh, but they send discount codes a lot. And I've never, never unsubscribed because I think, well, this is something I'm interested in. So it's relevant. Build- it's two things. Yeah. It's relevancy and it's FOMO. You don't want to miss out on like, you know, because you know a holiday is going to come up or you're going to say something dumb and need to apologize for it. And you're going to want yeah. that coupon code. <laughs> exactly and then another one another effective technique there is with fashion just like lookbooks and and stuff like that so often i'm on a fashion brand's list and well that's inspirational content right you're giving or aspirational where you're saying like hey you want to be stylish and cool well here's for free where you're giving you this very inspirational guide yeah and and it's definitely like you said fomo because i don't think i think oh i'm hovering on unsubscribe because i'm so busy and i'm thinking "Eh, there might be something in here that i really need in future and um, figuring out how to do that. And the answer really is usually content. Um, figuring out how to do that is is the, the key. So that's another takeaway, I suppose. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, a lot of people are, are scared of writing. And I think, you know, the school system has beaten it out of them. But just write like you're writing to a friend. And that's what's really going to appeal to people. Yeah, do it. Like, uh, be yourself. That's I guess that's the overall overall ethos of the whole small business revolution that we're a part of, which is, you can be yourself now, and that can be a competitive advantage. I am I am literally, I'm writing down that phrase, small business revolution. I love it, and I'm making that the, the title of this episode. Very good. <laughs> okay. Um, Mr. Oburn, where can people go to learn more about you? So we're at wemakewebsites.com, so definitely check out our blog there. It's full of useful advice, and uh, you can sign up for our mailing list there, which is full of advice on how to increase your online sales. On Twitter, um, our company Twitter is always making, so definitely follow that for advice. I have followed it for for some time. Um, Definitely, uh, it is exemplary of, you know, how to create um, good niche content. Cheers. Thanks, (laughs) Kurt. So to our listeners, however this audio made it into your ears, you can find out more about it at unofficialshopifypodcast.com. And if you'd like to be notified whenever a new episode goes live, uh, I send out an email every week. You can sign up for that newsletter at kurtelster.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back next week. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at e-commerce bootcamp. That's e-commerce-bootcamp.com.